uh, this week's episode live from the TD Garden while the Bruins are playing the Dallas Stars. Right now heading into the third period, the Bruins are tied with the Stars 2-2. They will start the third period with a power play, and we will wrap up the remainder of this game when we do our actual recording on Tuesday night. We're super excited that we get to be here and celebrate uh, Marshy's 1,000th game. He's already racking up more penalty minutes, and uh, before you know it, he's going to be passing the next guy up the list. So we're really excited to talk about this game a little bit later. Go Bees! Hello, everyone. Welcome in. We're actually doing our recording, um, second recording live for this episode uh, 22. I am uh, going to... uh, set the table a little bit, but first I want to welcome in my co-host, Carolyn, who I had the pleasure of meeting face-to-face at the uh, game against the Dallas Stars, so that was um, a real treat. Yeah, it was, and it's funny to listen back to the intro because we certainly were intending on recording on Tuesday night, but the ending of that game was so outrageous. You and I both were uh, sore of throat. And felt like we needed another another evening to recuperate because I know I was screaming like a crazy person at the end of that game. I don't know how it was over in your section, Maria, but my God, we got our money's worth for those tickets uh, that that evening. I don't think I've ever actually been to an overtime game, let alone a nine round shootout. Uh, that was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, and I did see a few people leaving the building early for probably a ah! variety of reasons: traffic, train schedules. But disgust. Uh, <laughs> just maybe, maybe right. Maybe not wanting to stay in the building and say, "Here we go again." They're <laughs> going into overtime. Um, oh yeah. But yep. uh, you know, a, a much needed extra point for a variety of reasons for the Boston Bruins, you know, not the least of which is, you know, the game started off with the ceremony um, honoring Brad Marchand um, for his 1000th game milestone and seeing his family out on the ice celebrating with him. Um, It's always, it's always cool moments to be in the building when things, things like that, events like that happen. Yeah. Well, especially with, a player like Marshy, because you know, I was I was there for essentially it was my my birthday gift from my husband and my daughter, and so I'm there explaining you know the different banners and things that are in TD Garden and reminding her because uh, this was her second time to TD Garden. You know all those numbers that are up there; those are the retired numbers. And I said, "You're we're going to see tonight a guy, at least two guys on the ice right now." who will have their numbers up there. And so it's just really cool to to watch uh, you, someone that you know is a future Hall of Famer who's deserving of at least a, a spot in that Hall of Fame. Um, it's just a great experience, you know. There are parts that uh, of these ceremonies. We saw last year Krejci had his ceremony actually at the same game last year, which was kind of random. Uh and so I always like to poke a little bit of fun at some of the ceremony because it's there's always like the same gifts every single time. You know, there's always the fancy bottle of wine and the watch from the players. And the there's painting, this, the portrait. The painting is the weird one. That's the yeah. strange one. You know, you get yeah. the little, he got the little um, crystal like plaque type thing from Chief. Uh, the silver stick. Which I think is awesome. It looks like the kids got mini silver sticks too. I believe that they out. did. You are right. Uh, I think the um the the uh, the two older kids were holding silver yes. mini sticks, which I'd never noticed before. I don't know if that was new. I missed that. I don't remember that with Krejci's uh ceremony. Um, and then of course the painting. I just it's weird to me. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a guy who would want some fine art like that, but. Very, very nice, uh, to say the least. And yeah, it was it was a heck of a game. Uh, it was about as up and down as 
this month of February has been for the Bruins. Um, it was exciting at times. It was boring at times. I was texting with my dad and he's like, this seems, and he's watching, of course, on TV from, from his house in Florida. Uh, it seems like the, the arena is dead, is it? And I said, yeah, it is, because we're bored. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. You Until we weren't. It, it, has been, um, it has been unusually quiet. In the games that I've been to during the month of February, for whatever reason, and again, granted, they haven't been playing well, and that could be, that could be some of it, but um, there hasn't been that kind of, you know, rowdy rambunctiousness yeah. that I've been accustomed to in the balcony over over the years. So yeah. um, and day games sometimes have a tendency to not be as rowdy simply sure. because you've got a lot of families in, in the building and they're scattered everywhere in the building. Oh, yeah. They're in the lower bowls. They're in the balcony. They're up in the rafters. So, you know, that might have something to do with it but um you know if you give us if if you give us something to cheer about we'll cheer oh yeah yeah it was um that the the end of the game is what was so exciting um you know we're gonna we're gonna focus more generally in today's episode about pros and cons things we liked things we didn't like over the past week but for this game in particular, it basically had a little bit of everything from all of the other games that we've seen pretty much in the month of February. All of the same grievances existed, but, you know, also having seen them really dig deep and say, we're not going to just roll over, you know, Brad Marchand, and it wasn't because it was his day. Uh, he brings this attitude and approach every game i mean he wasn't gonna let this game go i think they are tired of kind of being in the position that they have found themselves in which is very similar to where they were back in december um and also i think there's probably an element of of confidence issues happening at this point because that's what tends to happen with with these hockey players you know they 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 aren't feeling great and it just kind of bleeds into the rest of their game and and there was at one point in the game I texted my dad and I'm like I can tell Marshy's had enough and uh that was right around the time that he had his fight which I believe was his first fight of the year uh in quite a while so that was yeah and and I hope it's his last I hope he doesn't feel the need to have to do that and that you know again he he is displaying tremendous leadership skills, you know, particularly from what we see on the ice. I'm sure he's, you know, exhibiting tremendous leadership skills off the ice as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see my captain fighting. That's not something no, he that's should not his need job to do. Right. Exactly. It's not his job anymore. And so, you know, that speaks a little bit to you know, some of the lingering concern I have moving forward with this Boston Bruins roster, which we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. But, you know, I think based on what Jim Montgomery had said post-game after the LA Kings game, which was a debacle in and of itself, he took his team to task and said that, you know, LA is a desperate team. And they're fighting for their playoff lives, and they basically played like a desperate team. Sure. And his team is not matching the desperation of their opponents. And I think that's one thing that you saw that changed a bit in the Dallas game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was uh, optimistic going into the game because of how i saw them play in the previous game there i saw some some positive improvements um i in that in the previous game um some better effort a little bit more um you know in that kings uh game 
So I thought, surely, you know, it's just now those pieces kind of coming together, getting back, putting it all into place. You know, it was a flat start. It were a slow start. And it's very different to watch a game live as opposed to on TV, because, I mean, obviously you don't have the commentary, the, you know, Jack telling us like, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. You know, it's you have to really pay attention. You have to watch because there isn't anybody also telling you at the same time all the things that are happening. And so it was the slow start that we've seen. It was the leaky defense that we've seen because they got down in shots real fast, real fast. Uh, And they were held at like four shots for a stretch of time. And so it was I was I was all of a sudden like thinking to myself, oh, no, they they did not learn any lessons because they are doing worse than they had the night before or the day before and um, or the game before. And that's when I was like, oh, this is this isn't great by some luck. And I think it was literally the hockey gods sending some amount of luck because the Dallas Stars, when they were playing, were missing Mm. some key players. Uh, They are also, you know, just like the Rangers, just like the Devils, just like everybody. They are, you know, down important people because of injury. It's that time of year. But they still have their phenomenal goaltender. And they still have a couple of really key forwards. And so they were putting up a fight for sure. But the Bruins were lucky in that they had top notch, you know, top five goaltender in the league right now, Jeremy Swayman in net. And some puck luck in that they were every time they went down, they by some miracle were able to crawl their way back up to a tie. Um, but I got to tell you, it was a bit painful until quite literally the very end when uh, Pasternak scored his goal. Um, and what? Yeah, that that was that was tremendous. So, you know, they um, I think they actually pulled Swayman. They did. With two minutes, two minutes yeah. and 40 seconds, maybe. Um, yeah. And. You know, so the Bruins basically were were six on four. Oh my god! Yeah, that shot by Pasta was that was, his only shot. It was his only shot on goal. His it only was at shot least his first. Goal. It was his first of the game. Uh, he, he had, had a couple he of had attempts. attempts. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had yeah. some attempts. Yeah. They went a little high and wide. Yeah, but um, that that play couldn't have been drawn up any better. No. And I have to say, you know, sitting there with other fans, uh, hearing some of the commentary that they have to say, and we talk about all the time, like, you know, Boston fans are very uh, passionate and they'll have opinions and Boston fans are very much so known for what have you done for me lately kind of attitude. And uh I heard the criticisms of pasta all the way up in my nosebleed section. Um, at the end of the day, like, am I annoyed that he hadn't really actually had a real shot on net uh, up until that point? Yeah, that sucks. That's annoying. Uh, he is getting paid a ridiculous amount of money. However, he came in clutch. And that is why the man makes a ridiculous amount of money. Um, so I was really excited, obviously, in that moment. My daughter is a huge David Pasternak fan. Um, we were just screaming, couldn't believe it. I was dying in that overtime because I just kept thinking to myself, they need to have possession. They need to have possession in this overtime or we're screwed. That has been the uh bellwether so to speak for me watching them go into this three-on-three overtime if they don't have immediate possession it's the game is going to be done in two minutes they had some possession dallas had some possession um it wasn't an awful overtime uh but you know then it came down to that shootout and my god i i 
I can't remember uh, who said this in our Discord chat. Could have been Jesse, but or maybe it was Mo. You know, watching it in that moment, and you think to yourself, "I hate that my heart is racing right now in this shootout because I hate the shootout. I hate the shootout." Um, and it was a very stressful shootout. Uh, but obviously, in the end, the captain said, "Nope, enough of this." He basically saved the game because the Brewers were down in the shootout. He came out, took care of business. Swayman did his job phenomenally, and Chucky took took care of the rest. And when they named uh, Swayman as the number one star, you know, at first I was like, oh, surely they're going to save Marshan because uh, it was his night. He did a great job. He saved them in that shootout, but... Swayman had his career-high saves, uh, 43 saves. Despite the fact that he has not had an awesome go of things the last couple of games, not, you know, because he's been bad, it's because the team in front of him has been bad in cases, um, he still maintains ridiculously fantastic statistics because, because the defense is so leaky the man is seeing an obscene number of shots and every night and even if he does let in three or four goals because he faced 46 shots it's still in good shape so yeah it's it's amazing that swayman is still at the top of the league in a handful of categories given this homestand and how it's gone right so um yeah, that 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 kid is setting himself up for a, for a hefty payday, but that's a topic for another day. Um, but I would say, with regard to this Dallas game, if it wasn't for that fourth line that consisted of um, Jasper Boquist, Anthony Richard, and um, I think it was a mix and match. It um, was Brazo. Brazo started. <laughs> right. Right. He was only on there for a shift, but, um, you know, Boquist got the scoring started early with an assist from Anthony Richard. Yeah. Um, and then um, Justin Brazo scored his his first. And, you know, that helped tie the game with another assist by um, Boquist. So, you know, that was a a positive light for me in that game. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at the past week, if we want to kind of take a larger look at uh, what we were seeing in the past week, you know, it was a lot of the same of what we've seen for the month yeah. of February. Um, it was very much of the flavor of what we saw in December. So I don't really know what to make of that, the fact that we've now had two months like that. However. The following month obviously was fantastic for the Bruins, and I'm not going to be mad if they are fantastic in March and April. So who knows? Uh, you know, they've got this road trip coming up. Um, it, 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 maybe that's what's going to shake them up. You know, they've really been home for more than just this homestand, but they've been kind of like, quote unquote, home, vacation, whatever, family, et cetera, um, for longer than that. So who knows? But um, you know, uh, the things that I continue to see that uh, I don't love and I think certainly would be concerning to a lot of fans um, is the lack of the consistent production. You know, the reason why you have to invest in these in in your uh, bottom six players is obviously you want to have depth. So that way, no matter what's going on, you've got scoring. And I got to say, like, in general. I hear a lot of criticisms about, you know, the bottom six, et cetera, et cetera. I haven't been super disappointed. Uh, some days it honestly feels like they're the only ones who show up to work. I mean, they did a great job, obviously, in this Dallas game. Um, I believe they had a good showing in the Kings game, right? Uh, they did. Richard yeah, and, and Boakvist yeah. and, and Lauco, you know, yeah. 
uh, JVR had a pretty great night against um, two the goals Kings. against the Kings. Yeah, sometimes he's kind of more in that middle six, but you know, I don't think anybody is under the impression that he's intended to be that clutch player or anything like that. It's what I don't love to see is again our our top guys, our reliables not really i don't know what's going on right like charlie Coyle, love him he actually had a pretty decent looking game on monday um i just remember i don't i don't remember what period it was but i just remember watching him um and his puck possession like he was doing his thing that he is so known for you know he he was all over the zone with that puck nobody could get it it was great but something about Charlie Coyle that I ha- I figured out, God, at least at least three seasons ago, he is actually such an impactful player that I don't think people really realize this. When he is um, on the ice, and if he is either you know earning a point, so he's you know he's got an assist, um, or he's got a plus or even a neutral rating the team actually does incredibly well in fact they're more likely to win uh when he doesn't get his the puck on his stick when he's not you know passing for an assist or he's getting a a negative you know a minus out on the ice it shows in the team's results and he's unfortunately been unable to make something happen in the last five games and so looking at that statistic yesterday I mean it then didn't surprise me those two things you know I know correlation does not equal causation however there is a pretty strong correlation that if Charlie Coyle is having a good stretch the team is probably in really good hands yes um and then I continue to go down the path that you are on with frustration with Jake DeBrusque. It's I I'm I'm at a loss at this point because there was a point in the season where even though he wasn't scoring goals, he was making plays, he was out there, he was doing something. I feel like in this homestand, he did nothing. No, he's done nothing. Nothing. And I'll I'll share some statistics that might um, worry our listeners. So during this stretch at home, since they came out of the break, so they've played um, seven games. Now, um, Charlie Coyle has no goals during that time, and he's a minus four. Yeah, that's he has three massive. assists, but he's a minus four. Okay. Um, Morgan Geeky has had one goal during that stretch and one assist. Danton Heinen, one goal, zero assists, minus five. Yeah. And then at the bottom of this statistic is our friend Jake DeBrusque. In these seven games, he's got zero. Zero, 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 and he's a minus four. Yeah, I mean, now, I... that speaks to you know a lot of what's been happening during this homestand. Did did I did yeah. I mention Danton Heinen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know these these were the guy. These are guys that you need to get something out of, right? And. A lot of the struggles when 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 your big guys get a little a little cold and a little dry, right? You yep. need the Danton right. Heinens and the Morgan Geekies and the Jake DeBrusques to pick up the freaking slack. Right. And you know, they had been doing that up until that break. And I'm just at a loss to figure out, and I'm sure. Monty is too. Like, mm-hmm. what what is happening here? So when I saw Jim Montgomery put Jake DeBrusque out there for the shootout, I, I knew why he's doing it. But then I said, why? You need to. You need this extra point. 
I don't care about trying to like build this kid's confidence back up again. Throw the guy, throw a guy out there who you know is going to bury the puck in the back of that net, get the extra point, and get your bags packed and get out on the road. So I, I'm not quite sure, you know, when this dry spell is going to end. And it's not just Jake, it sounds like, but he, he is by all accounts an integral part of needing to contribute in order for this team to be successful. Right. These are the guys who are kind of, I guess I would call that secondary scoring, right? You, you've got your primary scorers, obviously, with David Pasternak. Um, I would argue still Brad Marchand um, is one of them. Uh, I don't even know at this point anymore who else would be considered a primary goal scorer on the team. But, you know, then you've got your Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBras, Danton Heinen, Geeky, you know, JVR to some extent. He's probably at the farther end of that. But, like, those are the guys because what what we can't have happen again is is being a one-line goal-scoring team, right? And I think that John Sweeney has been working really hard over the last couple of years to get away from that problem. So, you know, it's... I I try to be positive in general because, you know, we we don't know what's going on with different players. We don't know, you know how they approach the game, what's going on and whatever. But I'm getting to the point where I don't think come, you know, trade deadline, because that's right around the corner, everybody. Uh, it's like two weeks away, uh, two and a half weeks. Uh, March 8th. Yep, March 8th. The rumors have already started circulating. I, but I, 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 I don't I, know that they would get, he or Grizzly, for that matter, would get, trade it but i think we're very quickly getting to the point where it's going to be obvious to me that not only is it not only is it wise for the bruins to let jake debrusque walk but i mean if he got traded i mean obviously you want to be trading for a known entity, right? The devil, you know, the bird in hand, whatever pro- proverb you want or, or saying you want to use to describe it. Like, obviously, you don't want to get rid of a body that you have that you know has the potential to produce in for a known entity. But at this point, he's not even producing anything. So what is then the motivation for Sweeney to keep a player like him on the roster. Like, you've got a guy who's making X amount of money. He's not doing, he's doing bupkis out there on the ice. Do they try to use him as a trade chip, you know, involve a third-party team to bring in someone who, yeah, is also maybe an unknown with the chemistry of the team, but it, it it's better than doing nothing, sitting on your hands, hoping for Jake DeBrusque to do something. And yeah, it's this, the same thing with Matt Grizzlick. You know, he's, this is probably his worst season that he's had with the Bruins because not only is it relatively uneventful, he's made more screw-ups than I ever remember him doing. And as you've heard me say a million times, he's a good player, but when he screws up, it's bad. And, like, he's done it multiple times since the season, so... What was it that was it the Dallas the Dallas game where um he was in the Bruins D zone and was um retrieving a puck along the the boards and was basically he he threw it behind his back blindly no sense of an awareness does that it, he does that I and hate it's it like so much. it that's the kind of stuff you know that is is enigmatic of what has been ailing the Bruins during this homestand. Those types of errors, which is the definition of insanity when you keep doing the same shit over and over again. And it wasn't as if he had a a Stars player barreling down on him. He had time. 
he had space, he could have made a different play on the puck. So, you know, it's it's those those types of moments where you say, Jesus, Matt, what like what are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, to kind of transition to some other issues that I saw this past week, uh, you know, the things that I would be chirping them for, quite frankly, is with the the D, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. We've speculated like, man, it's the roster is effectively the same when it comes to the defense so what's going on was it the fact that Bergeron was such a defensive forward and he was the one who was really helping them this whole time and then it seemed like oh, okay the D figured it out they were kind of you know back in action doing their thing and then it's just even the month of January when the Bruins were really hitting their stride I feel like the offensive power of the Bruins was compensating for the defensive shortcomings. I don't think those defensive shortcomings have been addressed actually and resolved at all because we continue to see a lot of issues with that leaky defense. You look at the shots on goal uh, and I literally said in our break episode of the things that I wanted to see them do moving forward into the very last part of the season was start your games on time and don't get behind in shots on goal. And quite literally, almost every single game, with the exception of, I think, the Vancouver game and the Kraken game, that they they have with shots on goal it's been absurd and like you know we've heard Monty say like oh quality over quantity for our shots sure but it still tells a story the fact that the opposing team's offensive players are able to get into the zone and their shot attempts are landing on net right that's a problem and you can see you can see that also in their penalty killing because it's been slipping. They've been going down uh, in their rankings for the uh, PK. So I'm worried because, like, yes, goaltending is what wins cups. But, like, defense on the whole, it needs to be good because look at, again, we just talked about this, Jeremy Swayman. You know, he's had those two losses, and the team should be apologizing to him for how they played in front of him. Like, he was the better goalie in a lot of instances, and the team lost. You know, I would say in almost every single game that they have played since the All-Star break, the goaltending, the Bruins goaltending has been the far superior goaltending. The one exception, I will say, is in the Tampa game, Vasilevsky, he, while he started off kind of slow and not particularly great in the game, by the end of the game, I mean, that was a game that bothered me because the Bruins should have won it. The overtime pissed me off because Tampa effectively refused to engage in a proper overtime game. And so it came down to the goaltenders, and Hesse was just just that much better than Allmark in that game. So those are kind of my uh, takeaways of the things that I see that I find, I don't know, troubling, not good. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not catastrophizing yet. I'm not saying like, well, throw in the towel, the first round, we're done, we're cooked, we're toast, whatever. There's still time. Right. We 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 saw them win a ton of games. They got a lot of points early in the season. There's a reason why we say that that's important. I'm not saying that there's they've got a, a ton of slack left. <laughs> they have a little bit. They got a little bit. Um, but I would say they got to get their act together by the trade deadline. 
or I don't know. Well, they don't they have can't, to win. They can't. They can't keep going oh for six. Okay. No, and and oh for Razor, six on the power play. Right. And Andrew Raycroft said, I believe it was Andrew Raycroft. He said something that really stuck out to me. And you know, they don't have to win every single game from here on out. Right. They don't even have to be a crazy dominant team. They're in a position like other um, top teams that. You know, they basically have to be a 500 team from here to the end, which is I agree. You know, you don't want to go crazy and and expend all of your energy doing what they did like last year. But it's the quality of those games. Yes. That concerns me because, you know, if they lost, if they had a high quality loss. Right. That's fine. You You had great defense. You know, you guys were doing all that you can. Maybe you didn't have puck luck that night and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get those shots in the net. Fine. I'll take a high quality loss any day. But that's not what is happening. <laughs> that is not what's happening. No, there 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 are there are common themes that mm-hmm. are have, were spread throughout the games between the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Kraken, and the Kings. Mm-hmm. And to some degree in the stars game now you know that the the tampa bay game all right i'll give them credit for coming back yeah after being down two to nothing you know even you know tampa's first goal was likely the softest goal linus has allowed all season long maybe in his career but he did get his acts together for the remainder of that game, and he even, you know, he's he, shortly after that, Kucherov had a breakaway, um, mm-hmm. and Linus stood his ground. Yeah. Um, but when you go zero for six, how? When's the last time that the Boston Bruins were awarded six power play opportunities? <laughs> that rarely happens for the Boston Bruins, right? So you. You gotta, you gotta capitalize on at least two of those. You know, I'm not expecting you to score on every single one, but you could muster two goals out of six power play opportunities. Yeah, you know, and it's and they, it's curious because this has been a long-standing issue. We were talking about this, you and I, at the end of last season when they all of a sudden were back in that playoff the power play funk i don't understand it because this is not a jim montgomery issue right because this is a an issue that this team has experienced under bruce cassidy so it's it's obnoxious at this point it's can we just can we decline these things because it's just an embarrassment like it's not so bad that we are giving up you know shorties like it's not so bad in that case but i'm just uh it's yeah no it it I, again and you know we're not telling anybody who listens to the show anything that they don't already know it was it it was not a stellar homestand for this team and there are clearly some issues that are coming to the surface with this team right now that, you know, along with, you know, the inability to capitalize on the power play, the slow starts, the inability to close out games, because in the LA Kings game, you gave up the lead twice, twice in that game. Yeah. These are like, these are recurring themes. And then the, you know, the inability to make a good hockey play in your own end, even when you win the faceoff. And I'm trying to think back. That was, um, was it the the um, the LA game? You know, they got a, they were awarded a penalty late in the third period. The Bruins, even, they they won the faceoff, and they couldn't clear the damn puck. And then there's Anze Kopitar standing out there in front of your goalie, 
with no one covering him. Yeah. So those are the things, folks, that for me, make me at this point in the season a little worried because as you get deeper into the season and you get closer to the playoffs, you have to wonder to yourself, are these things that can be cleaned up, cleared up, so that you have the ability to win a playoff series. Because right now, my confidence level is not extremely high. It's not as high as it was pre-February break. Now, again, I know teams go on skids. It happens to every team. But this is the personnel that we have. I don't think that there's going to be much that Don Sweeney can do to change this personnel at the trade deadline without leaving a gaping hole someplace else. Because, folks, the Bruins only have like $57,000 plus in cap space. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of breathing room. I mean... Who knows? He's proven himself in recent years of being a magician of sorts at the trade deadline and a growing trend that I've been noticing the last couple of years more than anything has been uh, the use of third parties for what I like to call trade financing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so there are... If you were to look at Cap Friendly, for example, you can see a lot of the real competition for the Bruins, not just in the East, but in the West, they're all in the same kind of position. Um, There's not a lot of wiggle room and the bottom dwellers uh, have a ton of cash. And so it'll be interesting to see who can get something done, how many of them are working with you know, the likes of San Jose and Arizona and the Blue Jackets, like all of these teams that have all this extra money and to see what they can do, um, you know, because at this point, the Bruins really can only afford to do business with actual bodies, right? They, They can't afford to really anymore give up picks because at this point like we're not going to be getting anybody for the next five years it seems right um and there and if you trade jake debrusque away you will have traded your number one pick from that disastrous 2015 draft okay you can't just let him walk out the door you gotta get something for him because if not that draft will go down in history has one of the most epic failures yeah. in, you know, Boston Bruins lore. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't really know. I don't know what the solution is, you know, because at this point, watching them for as many months now as we have, like, it's not as simple as saying, well, they just have to clean this up or they just have to do this because y- you honestly think that that, the the coaching staff hasn't already thought of that, you know, or they haven't been thinking about it or they haven't been attempting to address it and, and have them practice it. Like they're not sitting there on their hands doing nothing, but I think it's, there's no simple solution to, I think a lot of the issues that we've seen in the past week. Now that's not to say that there haven't been good things. You know, I, I want to, Let's let's shift over yeah, right. maybe a tiny bit to, to yeah. some of the good things and the positive growth that we've right, seen. Right. Cause it's not all doom and gloom. Like, you know, we're not we're not those kinds of, of uh sports fans. <laughs> no, I'm we and, do and like again, to see the I'm, good. Right. I and you know, I I like to work on a, you know, a tell it like it is basis. Yeah. We tell it as it is based on what we've seen on the ice. This is not any kind of you know, oh, the season is over, oh, woe is me. No, it's just pointing out that there there are inconsistencies, there are are areas of weakness on this team. Um, There's only so much that the coach can do 
because he only has so many groceries <laughs> available to him when he keeps trying to mix and match lines, you know, and now the Bruins, it seems, are going to be without Hampus Lindholm um, until at least February 29th. This is a tough stretch of games that they're needing to play in a short window of time. And, you know, the, the road to the playoffs doesn't get any easier from this point forward. Right. I mean, you know, it's important to address and talk about those things that are very real issues, but also recognize a lot of this is all relative, right? Or it's us talking about the Bruins from a a historical expectation, right? Like I said before, uh, Boston fans, what have you done for me lately? Um, And... If they're if our teams are not the best, they're the worst, you know, and that's not the case. So keep in mind a lot of teams, a lot of good top teams are struggling in a lot of the same ways that the Bruins are. So, you know, feel good in that, I guess, you know, look at the look at the Rangers. They were a team that everyone was like, oh, man, they are just going to take off and no one's going to catch them. Well, you know what? They're kind of in the same boat. Um, the devils, they, they can't keep anybody healthy. Uh, we don't even need to talk about the laugh factory that is Toronto Maple Leafs, (laughs) you know, I mean, Tampa is trucking along, but I would say by no means are they the powerhouse they once were. Uh, so let's, we can, we can focus on some of the positive things. The the positives, the positives are positives, right? There, there are no in my view, there there is no clear-cut elite team right no. now in the National Hockey League. Right. You know, and the, the 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 folks in the New York office will credit themselves for creating parity um, <laughs> in in the league. But you know, to some degree, they are right. There is a lot of parity in the league right now, and you know, either it being you know with with. You know, teams that you were expecting to contend who have players that are injured right now. Like, look, the the Golden Knights just lost Jack Eichel on LTIR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there there are positives to this. Um, the 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 issue for me is I just need to see consistency. consistency. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Just just be consistent. Yeah. But when you're when you're seemingly, you know, making the same errors over and over again, I mean, it it's maddening for us as fans to watch it. It has to be maddening for the coaching staff. I'm sure the players aren't doing it intentionally. No one's, you know, lacing up their skates going, "Oh, you know what? I just think I'll just throw a bunch of, you know, crappy passes into the middle of the ice and wait for them to be um Right. I'm just going to mail it in today. Like, right, no, right, right. Not, not in Brad Marchand's locker room. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's yeah. doing that. So, you know, it was great to see some of the young uh, young guys come up and perform super well. Uh, you know, we got that new kid who literally signed on Sunday. Sunday? Was it uh, Sunday night or Monday morning? Anyways, like it was that. Yeah. Brazo, yeah. you know. I Brazo, mean, just, yeah, Justin Brazo. He couldn't have had a more perfect I know. debut, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure a, a, a large part of that was that that rookie adrenaline and all that stuff, like what we saw with Patra in the start of the season. And, hey, you know what? Good for him. The team benefits. I'm not saying that uh, a win isn't a win isn't a win, right? Like, I've been saying that this whole time. And so it was exciting to see that. Uh, excitement out there on the ice uh for for him and for those and you place, know what so. he's a big he's a big boy he is six we five two twenty um yeah I t- i'll take that on my team all all day long i know and you know I, and you know to to add some posit positivity to this um anthony richard has has played well yeah in yeah. the games that he's been um provided with an opportunity to play i did notice that as 
the Bruins got deeper into the homestand, that their um, breakouts coming out of their own end have yeah. been much cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. Which that was that was an area of concern as yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't think everything is done and set in stone. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit relieved. Uh, one of the positives uh, that has come out of this is the fact that Florida passed the Bruins. And you know what? Enjoy that spot. Have that spot. I don't uh, care anymore. I don't care about we first. we just, gotta just yeah. not even yeah. touch that with a ten foot pole. Yeah, I don't even that care. Never and serves the Bruins when it comes to the playoffs. Nope. Just never get does. in. Like you don't want it. You don't want to obviously get in as a wild card or the last. You know, it's stressful. <laughs> okay, just get in. I don't. I don't. I, I've if I've said it once on this podcast, and I'll keep saying it. Yeah. I don't give a rat's ass about the president's trophy. Anymore. Ooh, no, okay? no, no, no. We don't need to see them be the conference, uh, you know, finishing top in the conference. Like, none of that, you know. Let, let the Vancouver Canucks have it, and then we'll ask them, how did that work out for you in 2011? Right, exactly, exactly that. So, uh, you know, take a look where the Bruins had finished that, that particular season. They weren't first. No, they weren't. Division. They weren't first in the conference. Like no. So, I'm the fact that they got passed by Florida. I I don't. I don't care. I'm more concerned about the quality of play. And and there are things very positive that I see in how some of these guys are playing. You know, we have um, no issue with our goaltending. Thank God. Okay, so can we stop the talk about trading Linus Olmark and getting something for him? I I just right it. That's the most in, in, in insane, asinine thing at this point because, again, you goaltenders like him, goaltenders like Swayman, I mean, they're they're essentially priceless. There is no white whale out there this this trade season. There isn't one, right? So, who? What the heck do you want to get for them? Huh? What do you want to get? Nothing. You can't get anybody. And who are you going to get it from? Like, <laughs> right. Nobody in the East. You're not going to give him to an East Coast team who has anybody worth taking because those are your competitors. Those are the people that you'd be facing off in the playoffs. So, no. Who are you? Yeah. Stop that. And he, Stop and he that. has a full no trade clause. So, I, I just don't, you know, I don't understand why you want to take an area of strength. Yeah. Why would you, con- unless someone makes you an offer that you can't refuse. Right. Okay? Who, Fine. Who's out there? Who, but who's out there that would do that? Right. right. Who's out there that would do that? But why, if you, if, you know, you're a G, any GM that has two brains in his or her head, yeah. Why would you take an area of strength right. that is basically, you know, been a significant contributor to the success that you're having mm-hmm. this season and make yourself weaker? Right. Why would you yeah. do that? Exactly. So if we see anything come March 8th, it's it's going to be interesting. It's There's going to be fancy footwork involved, that's for sure, because of the cap situation and we'll see who would end up going anywhere. I don't know. I know. I know. I I would like to see a little bit more snarl on this team. I don't know if it's, you know, someone that you get as part of your, your fourth line, a la, you know, maybe Sean Thornton type person. Um, And I know I mentioned this in our discord and I think this came up during um, Sunday Skate, which um, is hosted by Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Raycroft and Bridget Prue on WEEI. Pat Maroon's name came up. Right. Now, I've always had this, if you can't beat them, join them. The guy's been a thorn in our side. Yeah. How many times on how many different teams? Yep. Now, I, I, I would take him on my team simply for that factor 
You know, you're, you're never going to see Milan Lucic in a Bruins uniform ever again, folks. So that ship has sailed. Um, you know, he he was, I understand he was supposed to be that guy. And it just right. wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But I still think you're missing that. Yeah. And I'd like to get a little bit more size and a little bit more snarl on the back end yep i really want to see so it's a lot on my wish yes it is (laughs) so maria thinking about the the upcoming mini road trip i think it's what four games right edmonton calgary vancouver seattle yeah not necessarily in that order but those are the teams no no you got them right oh (laughs) that's you got that right I was just thinking in geographic order. No, yeah, I'm looking right, right, right at it here. Yeah, looking um, right at it. So, what do you want to see? What's one thing, maybe two at most, that you would want to see happen in these in this road game? And they don't all have to happen, you know, in tonight's game. It can happen by the time they get home, whatever. But like, what? What do you want to see to know that they are moving at least in the right direction? I need to see more consistency on the special teams. I want it to be as efficient both on the power play and the penalty kill as it was earlier in the season. And I I need to see the secondary scoring come back to some semblance of life. Yeah. For me, I think what I'm going to be looking for is just more jump, more energy, more life in the game. I feel like it's not been exciting to watch most of these games. You know, yes, they had the come from behind, uh, not just on uh, Monday, but um, oh gosh, what game was it now? I've already forgotten. I've blocked him out, um, but. The Kings, the Kings, you know, it's it's. I want to see more energy and excitement, because even in those games, even Monday's game, like it was. They were chasing and that's okay, but it wasn't like an exciting chase. And I want to see them be excited. I want to see this high energy and I want to see better numbers in their shots on goal situation now i'm not saying by the time they come home they need to be in the lead in every single one of them but i don't want to see them get blown out of the water where Mm. it was like 15 to 4 at the end of the first period on monday like that's stupid i don't want to see that uh you know you could be down that's fine. If it was like 15 to 13, all right, whatever. Like, that's just how the puck bounces, right? For me, it's going to be a little bit more abstract, I think, to tell me, because I think those are the things that I'm going to see, look for that tell me maybe a little bit more of the attitude and the headspace of this team. Um, and then I think if that happens, I think what you're going to be looking for will naturally happen afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So and I will I will give them credit that you know they did engage a little bit more physically uh-huh. towards the tail end of this homestand and I think that's yeah. something that was um lacking to some degree in yeah. the earlier games. Well Dallas is also back maybe a yeah. little bit more. Dallas know? was very physical and I think that was also the reason why Brad Marchand was throwing his punches. He was Trying to set the tone like, yes, you are more physical, but I'm going to show you that we can still be this team. And he was doing it probably to also get the 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 TD Garden a little bit awake. It was not just for his team. It was for the audience to get excited, which would then also help pump up the team. So I think if he can remove the 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 pressures of home, the home crowd. That's also going to help. And you know what, Jake? I would love to see you score a couple of goals on this road trip. Give me some points at bare you know, minimum. <laughs> yeah, some yeah, assist on you know, assist on mm. some goals. Yeah, get yeah. yourself out of the minus and back back into the into the into the pluses. I know, I know. 
Um, I would say for our last segment, uh, we certainly could uh, combine them into one because I would say uh, both of them are related to uh, the, the the Maple Leafs and the joke that is that team. Um, the Around the rink piece is the fact, I don't know if this is standard, I don't know how this came out, but the uh, report from the commissioner came out uh, uh, oh addressing God. the appeal, which like I've around the ring, that's that I've never seen anything like that. I also learned for the first time, uh, I mean, it was kind of uh, implied in this report that somebody, some referee official, referee supervisor, somebody at the end of these games actually writes up why they said they called all of these calls or at least they did in this case because uh there was a quote from um whatever that write-up was that explained why a certain call was made and like that's amazing and i want to see more of those just in general so i think this is really interesting and i'm curious to see like, does this have any kind of impact around the rink, around the league, about the fact that, like, this hearing and appeal report was released publicly because it was and it's damning. pages. I know. And it was damning. And it was hilarious because I my favorite part was the fact that the commissioner said that, you know, after interviewing um, like Shanahan and I forget the new GM's name there and the player that, you know, they kept talking about the Ottawa player. And he said that was utterly irrelevant. And I'm like, yes, thank you. I loved that phrase because he just called you out for being basically a child because how many parents out there have had that literal conversation with their kid? What your brother or sister did or your friend or whatever, yeah, they maybe punched you, but you didn't, like, the whatever behavior they were doing is utterly irrelevant in this conversation because I'm talking about you and how you behaved in that moment. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, I, I, I loved it. This process it. to me, I think, you know, is is silly anyways. You're appealing to the commissioner of the league. I know. What what is the and again, I'm not gonna do a deep dive into this, but if anybody out there can tell me, is there any evidence to show that a commissioner actually overturns no. or reduces no, these not. suspensions? If it's happened, it's rare and very infrequent. So, and I know it's part of you know the collective bargaining agreement, so you do it anyways. But it just right. seems to me that if you really truly want it to be an appeal, right? Shouldn't it go to like an independent arbiter? Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting that next CBA. Let's just put it that way with a. Uh... Our friend, the former Maddie Walsh. Yes, exactly. So and the Players Association. So you know what? <laughs> we'll post the uh, link to the to Toronto the... Maple Leafs and their fans. <laughs> I say, suck it. <laughs> Have the season you deserve. <laughs> okay, we're not shedding any tears. Yep. Any tears for you? So here's yep. just a little bit of breaking news. Okay. Um. The Bruins are playing the Oilers tonight, and on NHL.com, it's indicating that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a game-time decision mm. um, for the Oilers, so that could be interesting. The Bruins will be without Hampus Ooh. Lindholm, but He's Mason Lorai um, has been called up. And I think um, Jakob Lako is listed as as day to day. So mm. um, I'm assuming he made the trip out there. But um, folks, this is this Edmonton Oilers team is is a scary team, and they've come back to earth a little bit after their 
you know, 16 game win streak. They were Against one shy. Terrible teams. So let's right. I know that wins better. a wins, wins yeah. a wins. I mean, they played them back, they played themselves back into playoff contention. Yeah. The and biggest challenge is the Bruins are going to have to try to be as well behaved as humanly possible yeah, because don't I don't want to give these guys power play opportunities. I, yeah, I don't. I have not kept, uh, you know, in the know about this team at all. But I one thing I do remember last season was they had an absurd number of power plays and they were insanely effective with their power plays. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm on vacation this week, so I will actually get to sit, stay up and watch. I'm thrilled. Don't usually get to watch these late night ones, so. Well, I will likely be watching with one eye open. <laughs> so, my friend, I shall rely on you. Uh-oh, no pressure. Take our, <laughs> take our game notes. Um, but in any event, you know, yeah. this this is this is a big road trip for the Bruins. I think mm-hmm. getting, getting away from home for mm-hmm. a little bit will do this team some good. Sometimes, you know, just that camaraderie. Yeah. Um, of being on the road and not having the distractions of being at home for such an extended period yeah. of time. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, hoping that we'll see some steps in the right direction. Indeed. So with that, it's been another hour. It's been an, another pleasure. <laughs> Hopefully uh, our listeners feel the same. Yes. And with that, I'm going to say, go bees. Go Bruins.